thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Uh, I come in, uh, to give this talk today with, honestly, a heavy heart. And if you know me, you know for some reason I just, you know, get all emotional for no reason every once in a while. And so um, seeing just the, the reality that somebody uh, took their life and the life of their, their teenage child in our community is heavy on me. And uh, I don't know if that gets to you at all. It should, uh, because our mission field is right here. God has so much grace and mercy for people, and without the knowledge of that, there's hopelessness, there's a lack of peace, and it grieves me when we haven't had the opportunity to share that with somebody in the they end it. So, uh, that's like more than one family in our community within the last few months. So, if you needed motivation to pray, um, that's your motivation this week. I would say look at your kids, hug them, love them, and pray for not only them but the community. And Because uh, our, our role really is to, to influence and pastor the community, not just our church. So... Um, yeah, heavy heart. We'll pray a little bit for that at the end. But it's interesting, the text in the light of this week. Um, I'll promise this. I'm not going to talk about two things this morning. I'm not going to talk about the color of a dress. So you can be relieved if anybody lived on social media this week. Uh, <laughs> I totally saw white and gold. Anyway, and then uh, and I'm not going to talk about llamas. Is that cool? Can we do both those things this morning? So I, I love, I was like, I'm in this conference training churches how to, how to start around the state of Washington and northern Idaho. And I'm going, I, and all of a sudden I'm seeing all these hashtags going, what did I miss by not watching the news today or reading my Twitter feed? It was kind of crazy, but... Yeah, it's it just nothing. I really miss nothing, right? I really miss nothing at all. So that's what everybody thinks. Blue and green hawk stress. I did see that. I did see that. Woohoo! Hey, well, Luke 12 is where we're at. We're in the 11th part of a series walking through the book of Luke. And I love going through a book of the Bible. It forces us to teach on things. Honestly, I would never preach on. And today is one of those awkward text with a bunch of lessons in it that we're going to unpack. But here's the text. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to His disciples, saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, 
what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, wait, no offense, men, some of you in the room, as I read verse 7. Sorry about this. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Anyway, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He just has to count a little less with some, right? Is that okay? Is that good? Okay. Um, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you'll say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Wow. Okay, so there's some heavy stuff in there. And, uh, and so we're going to kind of unpack it because it's, it's just a bunch. Um, I don't know if you've ever encountered hypocrisy. <laughs> We're all like, uh, daily, right? Uh, I read about it, hear about it, watch about it. You know, it's just like, I mean, hypocrisy is interesting. For me, never more clear than the first moment I walked in to a church at the age almost 21. I was 20, and I walked into a church on my own initiative, having just had a crisis moment the day before, and, and I walk in, and I'm already broken and messy, just like the rest of us, and I finally realize I'm broken and messy, and I, I kind of walk in, and I'm, I, I'm looking at this church full of people hiding underneath a balcony, trying to stay invisible, and uh, I look up, and what do I see? I see Jason, the dude who bought all the alcohol for a party I had just thrown like a month before and just got everybody wasted at, right, with hard alcohol. And I couldn't get that. I could go buy beer at a local store, and they wouldn't card me, but I couldn't get the good stuff, right? So I was like, I, I was frustrated because this is the guy who was feeding my my like addiction and he's like up there worshiping with his hands raised and I was not happy. I have all kinds of words I won't share with you that I was going through emotionally that day because of seeing him. Now little did I know at the time that God had the same grace that had led me into a church on my own initiative had led him just a couple weeks earlier And we both had a very similar, like, come-to-Jesus moment at the same time in our lives. 
The story was beautiful, but I saw something that was just, I was totally the judge in this scenario. Isn't that interesting? We, we blame Christians for being the judge. I was like the non-Christian in the room, judging way more than any Christians were. Their intent was to love me, and here I was being angry at them. Um, another thing, it wasn't long before I began a relationship with Jesus, like six months later after that moment, started to change my environments in my life that were very unhealthy. And uh, I was working all of a sudden as a music buyer. This is probably like two years later, maybe a year and a half later, uh, in, in a Christian bookstore. And I was a new Christian still. I would always make people mad. Like somebody would come in and ask for a book. Um, and I'd go, well, you know, they, they'd say, hey, do you have a book? Like, do you have Catholic books? And I would go, sure. I'm a brand new Christian. I'd go, sure, let me, you know. And I'd walk back to the cults section. <laughs> Needless to say, I almost got fired many times. I didn't know that Catholics were not a cult. You know, they love Jesus too. Who did I? I just thought it was a different religion. I was clueless, you know. So it was bad. I was bad. They should have never hired me. Anyway, but, but I did love music. And so here I was in this music department, and sometimes I had to help cover for others. <laughs> it was so awkward at times. That lady was so mad at me. Um, but the music department, I got mad at. There was some really good artists at the time that were topping the charts back in the 90s, and, uh, and, and they, were, they were really putting out some good music, music that I was singing in church, and all of a sudden, um, on a tour, a couple of them decided to get together with each other, and they weren't married. And uh, so these two bands, all of a sudden, all their music disappeared. And I was like, but what? the hypocrisy of it was interesting to me that like we were singing and raising our hands to this music in churches just a week earlier and now all of a sudden all that music is gone and that like that artist wasn't being led by God here just because they made a mistake where's the grace for the artist I was really angry at that times haven't changed Mars Hill church here in the Seattle region huge church pastor makes some mistakes just gets publicly crucified. And here I am doing a study through Luke, right? So every once in a while, I would go reference some past biblical studies and, and, and material on Luke series that Mark Driscoll had taught. And so I went to search it a couple weeks ago, and all that material's gone. I'm like, really? It wasn't like the material wasn't in sin. The hypocrisy. So those kind of things. I don't know if you've experienced hypocrisy like that, but I'm just like, this is crazy. This is absolutely, there's double hypocrisy. Yeah, the person may have had some sin issues they didn't deal with and were themselves being hypocrites, but then we respond hypocritically, and it drives me nuts. And we end up in the middle, and it's confusing. And uh, Jesus is addressing an issue just like that in his day. And nothing's changed. We're supposed to have learned, but we're still dealing with those issues today. There's four things that really, lessons that I want to hone in on. There's more than that here. But here we find ourselves in the midst of trying to learn how to respond and how to really view people the way God does. And, and this is going to help us discover this. Uh, we realize at the beginning that now there's thousands of people 
there's a discourse we talked about last week, and, and you know, he's first talking to the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law, but all of a sudden now there's a crowd of thousands that are trampling on each other, but yet he still first is going to turn to his disciples and teach just them, like with an audience. And that's where we find ourselves. It's interesting to me that Jesus is attractive to people by the thousands. And we need to make him known, therefore, right? Here's the first fill in the blank, or if you're walking through the notes on your, your mobile device, it's already filled in. But it says this, we should live a genuine life. We should live a genuine life. Now, I know we put that on our stuff, we're genuine, you know? And it's true, we're, we don't want the facade that comes with the term Christianity, <laughs> unfortunately, right? When, why can't we just be real and understand that we're all in process, we're all going to sin, or we prove the Bible wrong? None of us are without sin. So why can't we just come to the grasp and live genuine life? No need for concealing who we truly are, but uncover it, live life open, and grow in our relationship with Jesus together. That's the goal of the Scripture. Jesus is continuing the discourse that He began with the Pharisees, calling them out. He gave them six woes, right? He's like, woe to you, Pharisees, and He's confronting their hypocrisies. Their outside appearance is good, but the inside of them is just messed up, and he's going to nail it. He's not going to give up. He's going to be relentless on it. And he's leading them to right actions, but out of the heart. Ultimately, he wants to change the inside, which is causing all these hindrances for others to follow Jesus. And we face the same problem today. So I want to do something. I want to interact. Thanks, Jennifer. You already started that with the Seahawks-colored dress. Oh, I said it again. I said I wasn't going to mention it. Anyway, so, uh, but here's this moment. I, I just want to hear from you because this is an interesting task when you do this. What are some of the terms that you've heard used when somebody talks about Christians in a room? So, uh, th- not everybody's an adult, so don't use the really bad ones. <laughs> no, but what are some terms? What are some terms? Yeah. Those people. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you feel good? Oh, I'm, I'm one of those? Yeah, those people. What, what's another t- something you've heard? Jesus freak. Homophobic. Really? Like, seriously? You know, what in the world? Bev, you raised your hand, right? Were you stretching? Oh, jeepers. What am I doing? Jesus freak. Wow, two Jesus freaks. I'm, I'm having a serious, like, music moment here, you know. We could just go into a song. Prude. I saw another hand pop up somewhere. Yeah. Holier than thou. This posture, right? I can't see any of you or know your correct names because all I see is my nose right now. I really can't see any of you anyway. That's okay. I saw some more hands. Shout it out. Anybody else? Bible thumpers. Oh, man, you have some good ones. What's the reaction then from us, right? We want to shrink back. We don't want to be those people. I love my relatives, 
that have a different appeal sexually than I do. I don't want to be a homophobe. You know, I don't want to be the prude. I don't want to be holier than thou. That's why I, I, teach, I, I teach in various different places, but I was teaching some, some church planters this week, and I was challenging them. Like the most, I did this, this uh, session called community engagement because we've done a pretty good job of it as a church. So um, I, I was teaching this, and I was like, the best thing you could do for your community is be normal. Just be a Christian in your community and be normal because all these terms are because somebody decided to like come on too strong or they've misinterpreted Scripture. So anyway, let's, let's read this and see what we can learn. Generations have proved these words are true. So it's not like they're false accusations. We all know one of those Christians that fit what we said. We cannot live faith with this facade and expect positive results, the holier than thou. No perfect people are allowed. We're all broken. We've all got mess in our life. We must live genuine lives, transparent. And like Paul figured this out when he wrote 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's quoting Jesus. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then he's strong. If we try to be perfect and put on a false demeanor for the purpose of perfection, that's when we become some of those things in the eyes of others. So with this crowd of thousands now climbing on each other (laughs) in this scene, something the religious were not able to accomplish in in their place of, of worship yet, Thousands flock to Jesus, but the Pharisees and Sadducees and these teachers of the law are frustrated because they're like, why are thousands not flocking to us? So there's this opposition. They're being fiercely opposed. And so here you go. You know, they're like, Jesus is going to open up some more can of teaching, and he opens up this word that's new to everybody listening in. And you may have passed it when we were reading there in in Luke 12, but he addresses his disciples in an endearing way to emphasize his heart for those who've chosen to follow him. Because the teachers of the law and Pharisees has not chosen to follow yet. So he opens up this term of endearment. He calls them friends. Interesting. Number two, point two, we are friends of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are friends of Jesus. It says in John 15, it says it this way in in verse 13 through 15, greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. This is an incredible contrast to the way the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were treating their followers. 
Now all of a sudden, Jesus is like, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're family, we're friends. Huh? It was crossing this line that had never been crossed. A beautiful moment and should change the way we view Jesus ultimately. And people have written songs about it. You know, I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. All these songs that are out there about being a friend of Jesus. Not viewing him anymore as this ruler or king. Okay, point three. We're not forgotten. We are not forgotten. So just as you are, however many hairs are on your head, <laughs> you are more valuable than many sparrows, it says here. What is that? What is that meaning? Well, in that day, those who were the most impoverished, the most poor, their form of protein that they would eat would be sparrows. It's like a flying mouse, right? So it's like, oh, good meal today. You know, I mean, that's feather, sorry. You know, it's like that moment that they're, they're dealing with that here. And, and, and so it's this, it's this conversation of the smallest meal, the most insignificant animal of the day, Jesus tries to think of and tosses out this term sparrow. Costs a fraction of any money in the day. And so you're just like, they would pay for it, they would trade it, and he's going, the most insignificant piece of food is more important to God than most things to you. How much more are you important to God? You're not forgotten. No matter what you're facing, know this, you're not forgotten. We are the unforgotten, if you would. Jesus addresses something here. Sorry about that. Jesus addresses something here. I mean, daily, he's, he's coming after these guys and saying, you know, and maybe, maybe you hear on the news, and you're seeing the videos, and you're going, there's people being persecuted because of their faith. This is playing out today, and, and, and there's people who, in the moment of the, the worst season of their life, when they should depend on God, some go towards getting mad at God. And frustrated at God. But God's trying to communicate here. No, even in your persecution, you're not forgotten. In fact, it's communed here that, that out of the body you may have grace. In fact, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He says, don't worry, you're not forgotten. Because even death cannot take you away from me. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're promised eternal life. So death is just this momentary moment eternity is beyond death. In fact, Romans says it this way in Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. They can kill you, but they can't kill you. This is what Jesus was teaching the people in this crowd of thousands as they overheard him speaking with the disciples. 
next point and final point. We should acknowledge Jesus publicly. So interesting. They could remove you from the body, but they could not remove your faith, Jesus teaches. But then he's like confronting the final deep issue. Jesus was a friend of sinners, we read throughout Scripture. He's accused of being a glutton, a drunkard. He's in the places that most of those Pharisees and teachers of the law wouldn't go so that he could be a light present with people. And so here we have him in places where he's encouraging us to go to reach people with the gospel, our friends. And he says, acknowledge me publicly? I think we're going to be in places continually if we're walking out the mission of Jesus that actually make it a challenge to acknowledge Jesus publicly. We're going to be in environments where we're afraid we'll be called those people or the prude. or And so we resist, but yet if we're in the places Jesus challenges us to be, if we're loving sinners, He came to seek and save sinners, which just means those are missing the mark, right? So if we're really present with those, then we're always going to be in an awkward place to mention Jesus. So that's going to be a consistent. We shouldn't be afraid or like, well, I'm waiting for a better opportunity. The opportunities need to get worse. If we truly are compelled by the mission of Jesus, we'll find ourselves in the center of some of the most hostile environments towards the gospel because Jesus' love extends to the extreme. There's not… There's no bounds for His love for people. He desires that none would perish without following Him. Jesus turns to His disciples to teach this lesson, and maybe in the reflection of their eyes, Jesus was seeing their future demise. Many of these disciples would become martyrs of the faith. Their life would be taken from them because they would do exactly what he's teaching here. They would acknowledge that they're followers of Jesus, even though they're told their life will be taken if they don't change their mind and stop publicly declaring that. Again, this is something that hasn't changed over time. If you pick up a newspaper, or if you turn on the TV. It was communicated this week that there are three different Christian villages in Syria that were invaded by those in the ISIS troops. Over 220 Christian men, women, and children paraded in cages in front of angry crowds because they publicly confessed Jesus as Lord. Luke wants us to have such certainty in the gospel, the good news, and, and, and he wants us to have such certainty that he would challenge us, even if we're paraded in cages, we need to confess Jesus as Lord. What would you do if jihadists came into your home with your children and your wife 
and asked if you were followers of Jesus, knowing that your wife and children may be sold, that you may lose your head, not because you're angry. You'll literally lose your head. None of us are perfect, and that's not the mark or goal of the gospel. That's not what Jesus was looking for. We're all in process, right? Our worth here is being told, again, we're worth more than sparrows. Our worth is not the issue. That's settled. We're worth more than sparrows. That's done. Our worth is in the cross. Jesus went to the cross. He gave His life. He rose three days later so we could have the promise of eternal life, right? Our worth is settled. We were worth Jesus' life. The issue that's being dealt with is why, when the price has been paid for us so highly, do we shrink back with the gospel that we know and are made aware of, or some of us are still in process of grappling with the gospel. That's great. But why do we not even talk about where we're at with it? Why can that not be a part of our conversation? We must publicly acknowledge Him before others, Jesus challenges here. Without fear of persecution. May persecution come? Absolutely, depending on where we're at. Absolutely. What is worse? Our silence or the knives of the ISIS jihadists? They both result in death. It's a brutal example. Who does God have more grace for? Because they both are actions of rejection towards the gospel. See what I mean? It's hard to walk through the Bible and teach verse by verse because you have to confront things like this. And I do an inventory of my life, and I go, okay, I stayed silent there. And that's just as bad as this great evil I'm watching play out. God, forgive me. Give me the strength and the boldness I need to speak out because I am increasingly grieved by what I see. And then the Lord turns the table on me when I'm praying and studying for this and says, that, you've done the same thing to others around you by not declaring my love for them to them. When we're silent, we're just as bad. Luke 9, 23, then He said, speaking of Jesus, to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. The amazing thing about all of this is that we don't have to worry about how to defend ourselves in a moment that we just share Jesus' love. The Holy Spirit will come, as it says, at just the right time and give us the words to say. These words might, release, might not release us from our prison or from death. But they'll be the words that those who are persecuting us need to hear. In extreme samples, we have like Stephen in the book of Acts who is being stoned to death and he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And observing him is Saul, the leader of the persecution, whom Jesus gets a hold of his heart. Might that have been a seed that got a hold of his heart? And he finds himself confronted with Jesus 
And he makes a decision to follow Jesus as Lord and becomes the writer of much of this New Testament. And the grace we read about, he penned. Maybe some of those who are taking people's lives are going to be the very ones who will turn around and change the whole story. I don't know if you've been tracking some of those who have lost their life. And worship team, you can be up here. The, uh, uh, but there's one missionary that just wrecked me when I read her story a couple weeks ago where life was taken supposedly in a Jordan air attack, but they doubt that it really happened in that way. And she penned a letter. She was a missionary reaching the people of <laughs> ISIS. And she's a missionary to this region, and she's sharing her faith, and she's loving those who became her captors. And she penned this quote, I find God in the suffering eyes reflected in mine. If this is how you are revealed to me, this is how I will forever seek you. I will always seek God. Some people find God in church. Some people find God in nature. Some people find God in love. I find God in suffering. I've known for some time that my life's work is using my hands as tools to relieve suffering. She saw Jesus in the eyes of those who took her life. She saw Jesus in the tears of those whom she served to her death, a modern-day martyr. So I want to do a couple things here as we close today. One, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond on the back of your Connect card. Or if you're filling out the Connect card at the bottom of it on your digital device, you'll see that there's an opportunity to respond. And specifically today, I want to challenge you to maybe for you, you your, your challenge is I'm going to remove the facades from my life. No more pretending. There's strength and weakness. Or for you, you need to live a life that acknowledges Jesus and you can immediately reflect on moments where man I could think of a bunch of them you know like okay I paused there and that was a lack of acknowledgement of you Lord or I should have reached out to that person and my action would have been your love but then I this side of me that's just grieved when I see my brothers or sisters paraded in cages surrounded by hate And their lives are being ended in such an unfortunate manner. And so we need that was awesome. We need to pray for the persecuted church. We need to give time daily. And I don't know what it's gonna be, maybe. It's every time you drink water, you think of it, or every time you hurt yourself, stub your toe, you think of those whose lives are ending in pain. But find a moment where you can pray for those whose lives are in danger because they follow Jesus all around this world. And we're just getting that highlight consistently in the news right now. So I want to pray for you and pray for this day. God, I thank you for your word, and it leads us into places. This is a deep, 
you're confronting hypocrisy and you're confronting not just the hypocrisy of the teachers of the law, but our hypocrisy of silence and fear of persecution. When yet you promise us it will end well, even if it's in eternity with you. So I pray that God, you would challenge us, challenge us to live free from facade, that we would be those known as genuine amongst our friends and co-workers and in the community. That, God, you would open up the door for us to acknowledge you publicly, whatever that represents. And, God, we call out to your grace and deliverance and protection over those who have chosen to follow Jesus globally. Some here today maybe will make a decision to follow you. And, and they're making that decision in a country that allows them the freedom to make that choice without persecution. But others, upon that decision, are making a choice that could end their life quickly. And I just pray for your grace on that. I pray for your grace in and through their lives. God challenges however we're supposed to respond to this text today. So worship team sings, may we just listen to your lead. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word and receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.